Welcome to Pop Culture Rx, part of Hackensack Meridian Health's award-winning podcast. Pop Culture Rx is where we sit down with a medical expert and talk through various health-related topics circulating in today's media. In our discussions, you'll hear from a variety of professionals sharing insight and advice on these newsworthy conditions. This is Pop Culture Rx. Even though award season is over, let's talk Oscars for a second. Something you probably didn't expect to see were co-directors Julia Riker and husband Steve Bonger taking the stage both proudly bald after winning their best documentary feature. Unfortunately, this was not a publicity stunt. At the age of 73, Julia is battling bladder cancer. Today I'm here with Dr. Mutahar Ahmed, director of the Center for Bladder Cancer at Hackensack University Medical Center. And we're gonna kind of dive into what bladder cancer is, which is actually the cancer that Julia is currently battling. So thanks for being here, Dr. Ahmed. Sure, thank you for inviting us. But before we start talking about bladder cancer, I wanted to say, you know, what made you become a doctor and specialize in bladder cancer? Right. Loaded question. Loaded question. You know, I uh, somehow, you know, uh, since I was young, uh, I was interested in working with my hands, and my father actually pointed out that you should be a doctor. Swear to God, that's how it started. And uh, after that, you know, I ventured into other field, uh, business, chemical engineering, but. Uh, it always came back to me that this is what I should pursue. So let's dive in for a second. Julia mentioned in an interview that the cancer was incurable and fatal. What are some of the survival rates of bladder cancer? Is it a low grade or is it a high grade? This is the key aspect in bladder cancer. So if someone has a high grade, that is the bad one. If it is a low grade, 95% or even higher, they usually do not progress. And so the low grade still needs to be monitored. It still needs to be uh, uh, carefully uh, re-examined in a routine fashion. But usually, they do not progress to become invasive or to spread in other parts of the body. Most of the bladder cancer that we find are low grade. So that's a good thing. However, if the low grades are not properly followed up, they can become big and it can become that it's not easily resectable anymore. Mm-hmm. So then, so you don't want to miss those. But once we know that they're high grade, then the second question comes in is, is it muscle invasive or is superficial? Is it deep into the muscle layer or is still superficial? Yeah. So if it is high grade and not in the muscle, then we can treat that without doing a big surgery. If, however, it does invade the muscle. Then we have to do a complete workup, make sure it's not outside the bladder. Yeah, anywhere else. Ah, that's right. And if, and hopefully, that it is still contained within the bladder, we usually give them chemotherapy first, which is called neoadjuvant chemotherapy. Fortunately, the chemotherapy is very well tolerated. A lot of my patients I see, they don't even lose their hair. I was gonna say, yeah. you could probably take the whole thing out and then you would have to you know, yeah. live the rest of your yeah. life with, a, with an ostomy. No, so this is another, ah. so you have options. Okay. You have options, yeah, thank God. This is 2020. Yes. All right, so believe it or not, you know, we at Hackensack, we do very state of art, you know, uh, surgery when it comes down to that. Yes. So what we do in that case is we robotically, we can remove the entire bladder. We can do the surgery with a small incision, 
remove the entire bladder. Your surgeon will remove extensive lymph nodes. And in male, we remove the prostate as well. In female, it involves removing extensive organ. Then we have three options, actually. BAG is the most common form, which yes. is called ileal conduit. That's because most of the patients are late 70s, are early 80s, are even 90s. Wow. You know, so they usually do better with the bag because that's the easiest for a surgeon to do and for easiest to recover from and easiest to take care of from the patient's point of view as well. If you wear a tank top, nobody sees this thing. You know, so it's pretty, it's not like very extensive and the yeah. bag is kind of flat. Mm -hmm. And I have even doctors that I have operated on, they're functioning with the bag. And sometime in the secure, you know, if you travel a lot, we yeah. give them a letter saying the patient has a bag and they're cool with that as well. However, if the patient is young, patient is healthy, and they're looking for alternative option beside the bag, and they can get that depending on the pathology and everything, mm -hmm. we can give them something called neobladder. Okay. Now, this is more extensive. You know, the surgery takes uh, uh, a little longer hours. time, a little longer time. Oh no, not a couple of hours. The national average time is about eight hours. But we, okay. we do this thing in about four and a half to five hours. Wow. That's our stats. And we can do this entire surgery robotically. We used to make the incision a little bigger mm -hmm. and do all this bowel work outside because there's a lot of sewing. Yes. So it's a tiring job. You know, you got to sew a lot. But now we figured out a way to reduce that uh, and do this thing efficiently inside the body. So wow. you don't have to take it out. And the patient tend to do better if you could do it inside. That's what we have found out in our And you have enough review. room to do that? Like you have enough room to, to mold a... <laughs> Yeah. Like, make a bladder? Yeah, so that's a good question. See, uh, we fill the air, mm -hmm. the abdomen, there's a space. Yeah. You know, we're sitting here, it looks like a, there's not much space and it's filled up with other organs. But once you put in air, it opens up and you have a ah. lot of space to work with. Like a balloon. Like a balloon, yeah. You balloon us up balloon and us you up. Yeah. make a bladder. Make a bladder. And then we connect it. Now, of course, the healing process is longer because in new bladder, we do a lot of sewing. And we have streamlined this thing, you know, in, in even in my early days, we used to, patient used to come out of this surgery with a Foley catheter, a catheter that mm -hmm. goes through the urethra, yeah. another catheter that came out through the abdomen and two stents that was going through the ureter. So you had three, four tubes coming out. So now we have reduced all this thing to one tube. Oh, wonderful. So it's easier for patient to take care. It's just coming out through the urethra. So now there is another technique. Okay. All right, there's a third one, which is they don't want a bag, okay. but they can't get a neobladder okay. for various reasons. In that case, we offer them something called a continent pouch. And some people may know that as Indiana pouch because that's the common word that is used, but it's actually it's continent pouch. Okay. You know, there are certain, in our body, certain things that we can use as a valve. So one of those things is cecal valve. The other thing is we can use the appendix and fashion it and create a valve. But whatever it is, we can take part of the small bowel, part of the large bowel, and make a pouch inside the body. Mm -hmm. And we bring out a little opening near the belly button, smaller opening okay. than the stoma, than the ileal uh, yeah. conduit, much smaller. And the bag. No bag. And what we'll do is every four or five hours, we'll tell the patient, we'll teach them, that's what will happen when everything will heal up, is that they will have to put a small tube through that opening and empty their pouch. So they don't have to wear a bag. This opening will not leak because we created a valve mechanism. 
So it's a one-way yeah. valve. It's not going to leak. It's going to retain the urine. But they have to manually put a tube and empty it. Is it a special tube or is it like, no, it's like a, a catheter, straw? Like a straw, like a Foley catheter. Some patients, they love this. But then you'll have some patient, you mention the word catheter, they'll run away. Yeah. So, and you mentioned that there's a small opening, they'll run away. So you have three options. And in the center of excellence, we provide all these three options to the patient. And of course, your surgeon will also identify that are you a candidate. Yes. He can or she can mention to you, but you may not be a candidate for it. And you may not be a good candidate, then you, you know, the doctor ultimately will make the decision. But you do have those three options. And depending on the ability and how motivated individual is, they can pick their choice. And how come you can't just do, so transplant surgery is huge. You can't just transplant one a bladder? bladder? Mm, good thing. So <laughs> the urology world, they, 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 they have been working on creating a, or making an, a bladder mm -hmm. from uh, stem cell and et cetera, or your body parts. But uh, so far, hasn't been successful or haven't been at that point. You know, there are some pediatric work patching of the bladder that has been done, but not in a bladder itself. We are not there yet. So I was reading about bladder cancer and how it's actually a very common cancer in the U.S. Yeah. per the Mayo Clinic. What is the risk that someone would get bladder cancer? Yeah. So about 65 or 68 you know, 65 to 70,000 bladder cancer each year is being diagnosed. And as I said, thank God, most of them are low grade. Low grade. Most of them are superficial. And the risk factor, smoking is the number one risk factor, age. You know, some countries, they're associated with some sort of bladder infection, cystosomiasis in Egypt. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, some sort of dye, you know, exposure to chemical dyes and this and that. But smoking, in this day and age, smoking is the number one factor and age. As you get older, it becomes you are at high risk for it. So how can we prevent and keep our bladders healthy? One thing is stay away from those, those you know, things, those things yeah. like smoking, right? Uh, and also, you know, live a healthy life. Any, anything that your cardiologists usually say good for your heart is usually good for everything in your body. Yeah. You know, so living a healthy life, moderate, moderation life, you know. Now, the bladder itself, you know, there, beside cancer, there can be other aspects of bladder issues, something like oh, yeah. overactive bladder and et cetera and et cetera. Those things, you know, restricting caffeine. But caffeine has nothing to do with bladder cancer. You're talking about healthy bladder. Yes. That's what I'm, I'm talking about, restricting caffeine, restricting coffee. You know, not everyone, some people can drink 10 cups and they will not go to the bathroom. But there are people who go to the bathroom every hour. That's one of the common yeah. things we see, overactive bladder, getting up at night frequently. So first, we make sure we rule out there is no other dangerous thing going on, like bladder cancer in those patients, mm -hmm. because these are irritative symptoms. Sometimes it doesn't have to be blood in the urine. It could be those symptoms can be a sign of bladder cancer. Somebody's having pain in their urine. Somebody's having a lot of UTI. Somebody's having frequent going to the bathroom. Uh, 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 you know, getting up a lot of at night and we rule out any bad stuff. Yeah. And then they can change their diet, caffeine, you know, eating healthy. Those things can improve the bladder situation. Yeah. So you mentioned some of the symptoms. So when should we come to see you? Like when should we be like, all right, this is something weird. I should come and see you. One of the things that 
even our primary care doctors sometimes miss. A male, you know, let's say in their 50s, in their 60s, they have a UTI. The doctor said, oh, you, we think we have urinary tract infection. Mm -hmm. Men should get checked out, even if that's their first episode, because that could be a sign of other things going on. In women, you know, any complicated UTI or repeated UTI, you know, in their 50s or 60s, they're getting infection frequently. That should be checked out. Because there are many times I have seen patients, a year went by, they had five, six UTI. The doctor just has prescribed them, you know, antibiotics. Yeah. Uh, but underlying issue was in uh, bladder cancer. So UTI should not be, because that's one of the common thing that we deal with, yeah. especially women, sometimes men. So we should not ignore frequent UTI. That should get checked out by urologist. Any blood in the urine that is visible, obviously, if you don't go to doctor, you're not going to see microscopic blood, which is dipped in the urine. Yeah, yeah. But any blood that is visible in your naked eye, that should be get checked out. It doesn't matter what age. Obviously, in your 20s and 30s, very unlikely that you have bladder cancer. But over that age, it should be checked out by urologist. A visible eye, especially without pain. Blood without yes. pain. You know, we call concerning. painless. We look, we call painless gross immaturity. Gross means you see it with your own eyes, so that should get checked out by doctor <clears throat> or urologist. And of course, microscopic. You know, which is your doctor sees the blood. So if the doctor tells you, you know, you have some blood cell in your uh, red blood cell in your urine, please go see a urologist. Should not be ignored. Some of us we ignore it because we don't feel anything. Ah, oh, you know, it's probably nothing. Doctor just mentions it, you know, I don't feel anything. Yeah, doctor just mentions it. Yeah, no big deal. No big deal. But blood in the urine, if your doctor says, you know, we did your urine test for a lot of time insurance companies. You know, there are men, women, they get insurance companies in the late in their age. So they will do a urine test and say, Oh, you know, you, you have some urine in your test blood in your urine. Go please check it out. Okay. And on that note, anything else to add? Here in New Jersey, you know, we have very comprehensive, you know, especially in Hackensack. We have comprehensive bladder cancer treatment center, and we provide everything you need for bladder cancer. Non-invasive, non-surgical, alternative treatment, all these things are available. You know, what I discussed is what is commonly done. There are other alternative treatment available too. You know, there are some patients who will come, I see, they don't want their bladder out at any cost. So ideally, yeah, you give chemo and then you want to take the bladder out. Mm -hmm. But there are alternative treatment as well, long as the patient understands that they may eventually going to go and have their bladder removed. But they may want to avoid that temporarily or there's a small chance they may avoid completely. Yeah. Uh, those are available as well. So you need to be associated with a comprehensive care for bladder cancer. And we do provide that. We tell our referring doctor, other urologists that those patients don't have to go to New York. Yeah. You know, we have equal, if not better care that we provide in our center. Right here you in know. the backyard. Right here in the backyard. You don't have to cross the bridge. And Very we're cool. available for you. Very cool. Well, thanks for being here today. Thank you. If you have a topic you'd like for us to cover, submit your ideas on hmh4u.org backslash podcast. Your suggestion could be included in the You Asked For It special episodes. That's all for today. Until next Wednesday. Thanks for listening. The material provided through this Help You podcast is intended to be used as general information only and should not replace the advice of your physician. Always consult your physician for individual care.